Hello. Hello, Ingrid. Hello, Hello everyone. Hello, Nicole. <laughs> Hello. I'm so glad to see Hello. you. Hello, Jorge and Melissa. Dora, where are you calling from? I am in Tel Aviv, Israel. You got to Tel Aviv, all these Israel people, some all this stuff for us, okay? What? There's a word <laughs> joke. Tel Aviv, Israel, all, all of those people there, uh, this stuff. <laughs> I mean, you're doing I'm working. It. You're doing it. Sebastian. I'm working on it. Okay. Hey, Sebastian. Melissa and Jorge, man. I never saw you with your hair down like this. It's amazing. Cool. Thank you. Second page. Next time you see me, my hair will be mostly on the floor of an Italian barber. <laughs> I've been sweating a lot going around when the sun comes out. So, and Chloe is my actually my hairdresser, and she's doing an experiment this time, sending me to an Italian barber, and so. No telling what's going to happen, except I, all I know is that I get to have gelato Italian ice cream afterwards. A good deal. So, does anybody have anything that they've discovered in your week-long intense experimental session? Anybody have any reports of the experiments you tried? What worked? What didn't work? What kind of feedback did you get that threw you on the floor, made you look at yourself in a whole new way? Anybody have any experiment reports? This is really bad news. I don't see very many hands up. Leslie, yes, Leslie, go. I just, I just got back from the lab in Florida with Patricio and um, and uh, Aneta, and I had a lot of a lot of shifts and commitments and new possibilities right in front of me, and it's it, I feel joy. I feel scared. And uh, um, I feel ready. Listen, you have to tell us what kind of possibilities. Well, let me, yeah. let me rephrase the question, okay? Yeah. The question is, given the eight experiments that Phyllis wrote up from last week, which I don't expect you to have seen, but, but you heard them and made notes about them, whatever. And if you tried any of those experiments that we unfolded or put on the, on the uh, bench from last week. Did anybody try any of those? And if you did, I mean, the purpose for clarifying experiments is that if you do an experiment, you become a new person in some way. This is what, this is the definition of the experiment that we're using in possibility management for this study group. It's like you actually, if you do an experiment, it changes who you are. And 
hope, you know, hopefully that's what you're in the study group for, is to discover parts of yourselves that have this possibility of unfolding and emerging into somebody in your clothes who you don't know, somebody in your own head that you don't know, you know, somebody who's behind your mouth, behind your attention, you know, who is this person? We're going to, we want to find you. We want to unleash you into your world. And the only way that happens is by doing stuff you never did before. I mean, there's people, we have this mind and the mind has this capacity to think that you can get new results by not changing your behavior, by doing the same old thing. Anybody ever try that? You know, you do the same old thing and think you're going to get new results. Yeah, okay. This is the mind for you. you know, this is what the mind can do. It goes, yeah, I'm just going to lose 10 pounds and I'm going to speak out when people you know, are together. I'm going to present myself first. I'm going to ask dangerous questions. I'm going to, I'm going to hold space for bigger groups of people. I'm going to cause transformation, like all these things. And, and we're going to do all that without doing anything different. Okay, I'm going to speak. Yay. <laughs> I worked on the experiment of should, and I've been, I've worked on this in the past. It's not new for me. And I thought that I had really come far with it. And this week I've discovered that, you know, the things that you're doing that you should do for somebody else. And what I discovered this week is I still have shoulds and it's not, they are not they're the hardest ones to change. And I, I don't even know if I want to change them. It's, it's, I'm, I have some struggles with that, that um, I'm kind of going back and forth with. So, so that's one that I did. And then another one that I haven't done yet, but that I agreed to do is to be seen on social media, advertising some classes that Vera and Devin could teach when they come through here. And I don't like social media. I don't, I'm not seeing um, much on social media at all. So, so, and so it'll be, it'll be a good one for me and I'm ready. Cool, thank you. This thing about shoulds, it might be bigger than you suspect or anybody suspects. Because the design of a should is backed by a survival imperative. Even the, the most simple ones like putting your fork on the left side of the table when you're setting the table is, you know, I the fork should go on the left side of the table. And yet, should it or shouldn't it? I mean, and if you actually just go back to the source of the should, that's the point of the shoulds is to go back to the source of a should. Then you find this imperative and the imperative is, is nailed down. It's, in, it's got a panic mode attached to it. And so I don't know, like for me, I remember when I was working with this particular one with a fork on the left side of the table, I was at a, I was at a business meeting and, and the fork was on the right side of the table and I moved forks to the other side of the table and my translator person she just looks at me and goes what the heck are you doing i go the fork should be on the left side of the table she goes not in this restaurant you know they don't that's not how it is done here and so i had to go back to my parents and 
you know, physical violence from my father about how the table needs to be set. And it went in with a stake in it. <clears throat> this is how it should be done. And I had to you know, go back and face my father with my fear and my rage and my sadness. And it was a big emotional healing process for me just to find out where the should comes from and where you put the fork on the table. So if you can catch yourself with a specific should and you write it down, you go, okay, I should do this or it should be like this way. It, it must be like that. I have to do this or I cannot do this. And you, you, you nail it down in clear, short, clear sentence. Then you can sit down in an emotional healing process and follow it back to its real source. If that should does not get liberated, you don't get to be present. I mean, and, and without, if you are not present, how can you relate as yourself? I mean, we're, we're entering, the, remember, the whole first part of the study group here, the whole first 70 sessions were about the ordinary relating, how to create ordinary relating. We're, we're entering a domain that's almost never spoken about, which is the extraordinary part of relating. And it involves a, set, a separate set of laws, a separate functionality it has a different physics to it and so we're trying to get access to that and that's the point of doing the experiments just like in physics class or anything like that if you do not do the experiment you do not get the new results and so i really encourage us to take risks during the week pick one or two experiments like phyllis did and just do them and no matter how embarrassed you are or how incompetent you feel or how much you think you know what the result is going to be because you did the experiment in your head and that was good enough for Einstein, so it should be good enough for you. you know, that's just actually do the experiment a few times. Do the same experiment a few times and see what actually happens. That's so I really encourage people uh, to do the experiments that we discover and uh, what's it called? Divine. You know how people can look for water that's buried under the ground and all they have is a divining rod, some device that focuses their intuition. And that's how we're coming up with these experiments is we're divining them out of the space and out of people's necessity. And so they're really precious things. So I, uh, anybody else? Yeah, Ingrid. Ingrid, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I have tomorrow my uh, PM team here in French, and I will do tomorrow the experiment about uh, asking uh, if things are giving me energy or taking, cost me energy, and I will do it with things and with habits and also relationships, I thought. And uh, I'm curious for tomorrow. All right, you let us know, okay, if you're still alive. I mean, you know, people okay. get, <laughs> get quite upset if you're forcing them to do things as radical as that. But okay, center grounding cord and bubble. Speaking of which, will you all please take a deep breath? Make sure that your energetic center, you, you find it wherever it is out there. Use your intention to move it to your physical center which is about three fingers below your navel, halfway back in your body. And then you use your clicker to make an energetic cord, a connection between 
your energetic center in the center of the earth. So your grounding cord. And at the count of three, you don't have to turn your microphone on, but at the count of three, please say out loud the color of your grounding cord has a color. One, two, three. Thank you, it's that simple. Now that you have your center and your grounding cord, use your clicker one more time and make your energetic bubble of space. So for example, and Chloe and I are sitting pretty close together right now. In fact, every now and then our arms touch, but that does not go through the bubble. She has her space, I have my space between us is this is nothing but our bubble. It can be that thin. It can be just the bubble between you and somebody else. So you can shake someone's hand and not have an energetic contamination with them. And so that's, yeah, so, so, I think, so make sure you click your clicker and you have your energetic bubble of space. And then if you want, you can click one more time and help us hold this space around earth all the way from where Michelle Manjares is in, in Mexico somewhere probably, all the way over to, to door over in Israel like that. In Mexico, and will benefit and Israel will benefit and everybody. So we're holding this weird shaped energetic space where all of us can be together right here. And if you want, so if you wanna do that, do that. Thank you. And here we are. Go ahead. I did an experiment, mm. which was not one of the experiments on the list, but I did an experiment last week to meet and have a woman's day, a woman's half day, let's say. And in Germany. In Germany. And I got to meet up with amazing possibilitators, some of which are on the call here. So Susanne and Martina Ricarda and uh, a woman called Yule. And that was a pretty scary experiment for me because really I have long time wounds of um, being with other women and experiencing really ordinary relating with women, which filled with competition and hatred and um, com comparing, really this competition and comparing each other. And so we, Anyway, part of my experiment, and that's the part I want to tell you, part of my experiment was to have this question for all of us women of what is, there's this possibility for the archaeal woman to come to life. And I, I don't call it the archetypal woman, because that is also a possibility. I'm talking about the archaeal woman, and that's the woman who lives in archaearchy, and who you know, who is she? And anyway, I've had this conversation. It's been really brewing in me. And some of you have had this conversation also with me, which I'm really grateful for. And that was just the next step in this conversation and where we went this time of what is in the way of women. And, and in this case, these women to including me to get to, to be this possibility of being an archaeal woman. And where we got with this was something very close to as a woman, I am bad. Like it is a fact. It's like I'm bad and I'm wrong and it's all my fault. And I have to justify my existence in the world of men. 
and, and to realize that each of our move is based in this terrain, like it's coming out of this context. So I'm wrong and I'm bad and I shouldn't be here. And I have to justify my breathing and my acting and my behaving to whoever. I mean, really, whether it's men or women, authority figures, really, it's kind of, it's just like a way of being. And I, I think it's just the beginning of my research into this deep context out of really a patriarchal context, but it's something that is so deep in ourselves, like so deep that it's like invisible. It's just like water to a fish. And, and, and figuring out also, okay, so this, this, and it's, what's the way out? What's the way out to change this? It's like this information in a cell and we're just, I, we were barely starting this conversation. The conversation was more, this is where we are. This is where we are also with each other. Yeah. Will you just report on your current research with regards to that so it's in the space? About how to get out? Yes. Well, one, one thing that I was thinking about today, I was, I mean, I've been traveling and I've been traveling in places such as Positano, which is a high, uh, jet set like every everybody's wearing thousand euro clothes place in Italy I mean it was kind of crazy I was just walking in that environment and feeling really sad that I could not connect with the woman at the next table down the road as a sister or as or as this um, really being glad that she that she's beautiful or that she's um, she's feeling good about herself or she's radiant or she's because what is really happening in this interaction between women is this competition. It's immediate. It's energetic. It's, it's, you know, who has, who can get the best men? I mean, it's really such a kind of animal pr primordial, I don't know what kind of interaction. And I just felt really sad about this, but I also discovered that I, if I live, if I, and we, I think I was talking about this last week, if I live in a parallel culture where my point of origin is not, I have to justify my existence. But I live in a parallel culture where really the point of origin is I am, I am, I'm here. I, I, and, and then the thing that I become is, is like the shift of identity just depends on what's wanted and needed, but the basis is I am here or I am back or I am, and the, yeah. The, <clears throat> in the case of saying I am back, this is a, a response, it's a healing process from having been burned at the stake or drowned or, you know, torn apart by horses or some, whatever evil the, the church or the patriarchy did to you in a past life, past life, as a response to you showing up free of the restraints of the local patriarchy. You show up and they kill you in a bad way and you die and a lot of times when we die in certain circumstances, we make a past life vow, we make a, a death wish. And the death wish is a commitment. And it can be many different things. 
Some people commit to, I will get revenge. Some people commit to, I will never connect or trust men again, ever. I will, for example, whatever. I will, I will- Never use my power again. Never, never show up in my full power again, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so one of the, one of the realizations from a emotional healing process that has to do with this um, per being destroyed for having shown up uh, as in this case, woman, then part of the healing process of that is it didn't work because I'm back. So this is a huge realization to, to start working with. So when Chloe just rattled it off to say, I'm back, you know, she's done that process. I've done, you know, a number of those processes with myself in similar circumstances. So I encourage you to really, if something's coming up and you, you really have this fear of this hesitation of showing up with your clarity, with your needs, with your, in terms of, I am creating a project and I need resources, I need team, I need um, possibilitators, I need you know, source connected to source, whatever, whatever it is, those kind of needs. I'm not talking about childhood contamination needs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real, you know, real what you need to cause what you're here to cause. And you have this fear about that. That's what um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the, the, the way through that is to recognize first the fear, go into it in the emotional healing process or seven, it can have some layers and, and, and get that back so that you can stand in archaearchy fully so that you're back. You're back online. I am back. I'm online. Thank you. Yeah. And so, and so that's my experiment at the moment is to start from this point of origin where I am. And then I'm here in Italy, which has such this old, I mean, in a way, this old culture, really, I can feel it, how, how old it is and how there's all this Roman and, and, and even the Greeks were here and so forth. And I, and I have this attraction of being, God, maybe they had some kind of answer for me. Maybe this culture has some kind of answer for me for what it's like to be a woman whose origin is not in the patriarchy where I have to justify my existence, you know, and coming also from, you know, more recently, but the, Christ, the Christian or Catholic uh, text and Bible of the woman is the one who brought evil to the who, human being. You know, we are the one who did wrong. We're the one who, you know, who bit the apple. We're, and, and, we, and, th- and therefore we have, to, we have to make up for that. It's like our life is dedicated to make up for that mistake. So that, and that's more what which, it's more recent. Which can never happen. Because if you actually succeeded, there would be no Catholicism would disappear. So they won't let that happen because their game world would crumble. I mean, really what I'm getting is it is such, I was really looking into it with different women and started looking into it and how insane that story is. Like that I'm wrong and I'm bad and it's my fault and I have to justify my existence. It's, it's, a, it's crazy. It's crazy. It, and so one of the thing that, or experiment that we were thinking with Clinton is that if you have that, 
the, the question that you can ask yourself is how does that make sense in my life? How, to have that story, how do I make sense of it? How, do I, how, do, how is it important? How does that answer some questions or fulfill some survival, like survival requirement to, to hold on to that story as something real or true or unchangeable or like as part of nature? Are you saying how do you force yourself into that story yeah. so that you can survive in the patriarchy? Well, yeah. So part, part, part of the answer is to survive in the patriarchy, but yeah, how is it built in? Okay. How is it the story created? And, and oh, so this thing about, maybe somebody has an answer about what is it like to be this woman that unfold from this point of origin of I am or I am back. And really the Roman culture and the Roman culture and the Minoan culture and our, we're all patriarchal culture. So there's no answer for, for me, there's no answer here. I mean, there's no answer in mostly any culture. In history. In history. And so, and then I found myself again and again at this edge of, God, we get to discover. Like I get to discover and, I, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm wanting to build a group of women to discover. It's like, I get to discover what, who is the, what is the archaeological woman? Who is this archaeological woman? And how do we get from where we are to there? And, and, and all the, the, the different paths that needs to be healed or complete or looked at. So along those lines, I'd like to propose the first experiment for this week, which is called Cavitating Space. So we have a website up that's pretty got good stuff in it already. It's called Cavitate Space. Mm -hmm. And to cavitate space means to bring new space into existence. So ca cavitate comes from the word cave. And you can see cavitation happening when you have a glass of mineral water, carbonated mineral water, and you see the bubbles form in it. And it starts at a point. It isn't, it isn't random. It is not random where the bubbles start to cavitate in the liquid. It starts at a point, which is a special point because it is an irregularity. It is an abnormality. There's a deformation. There's a, a rift at that point. And just to keep it in mind, you can be that rift. You can become a cavitation point. And that this, what, what's amazing about it is that the glass of water is already full. You know, the glass is full of water. And yet hundreds, thousands of of tiny little bubbles and then they get bigger, can cavitate, can come into existence in a space that's already full of something else. And so there's a skill that we have that we've always known in possibility management, but we never were able to speak about it before. And now we can. And I'm just gonna show you a little procedure. There's actually a demonstration and Chloe did a demonstration slowly one frame at a time and a quick, you know, it's really fast, really how it goes. But I'll just tell you briefly how it goes right here, which is you have to get your center grounding core bubble to begin with. And you need a clear formulation 
of the context of the new space you're going to cavitate. It's generally a cultural space, a new cultural space you're going to cavitate. And so the, for me, the background general cavitation I do almost ongoingly is I cavitate new space in which archiarchy thrives. What's cool about this is, you, if, is if you get it that you're cavitating a space that did not exist before inside of a space that's already full of mainstream culture or even indigenous culture, you're, what's in that space at first is nothing, so it's empty. And then you define, you call into existence the context of the new space and you get to occupy that space. And so, this is when you are, when you're standing inside of your newly cavitated space, you do not have to fight against anything. There's no enemy. There is no enemy because you are able to cavitate new space. And so the way that we figured out this goes is the part of manifestation in the physical world and energetic world of your discontinuity, the fact that you can be a cavitation point, that you're functioning as a cavitation point, is you, cl you clap your hands really loud together and it hurts. You just go like this. Now, I feel that, it hurts. And so you, when you do that, you say, and it's a declaration with your voice and energetically, I cavitate, and then you flip your hand over so you're, you have one hand as a support and your other hand is this, this um, God, what do you call it? Just like a, it's the thing from Dr. Strange. It's a swing ring. I don't know if you guys know what the swing ring is, but you have it right here in your hand. You go, I, so you go, I cavitate new culture space. And it's a sphere, makes this sphere. And so you come all the way around and it's sitting right here in your hand in which archaearchy thrives. And then you, you, you actually stick your hands through like this and stretch the opening out and put your foot through it. So you step right into this space, put it behind you and zip it up the back. So then you're inside of this bubble of new culture space. So it's, you just go, I cavitate new culture space in which archaearchy thrives and just go like this and you walk right inside. And then if you do that, you will feel it. You will notice it. You start noticing things. And you hold, you just use 5% of your tension for a while. After, after time, it can be less. Sometimes at the beginning, it may take 20% of your tension to hold the new space. So you're walking through the shopping zone or the grocery store or just down and through the woods or you're at the ocean, whatever. <clears throat> and, you walk, and you're in this bubble of space and you come up to somebody else who did not cavitate the space that they're walking in. So therefore, they're walking in essentially uh, the unconscious mm, dominant, what's it called? Zombie, Zombie space. <laughs> the, the, you know, the ordinary space, they're just in that space without having cavitated this space for themselves. Then you meet them. And this thing that I think Chloe's talking about, this thing about being adaptive to an authority in, in a, in your presence of an authority means you essentially you give up whatever space you have and 
melt into theirs. <coughs> you, you, you be so adaptive that they don't even know you're in a different space. Anybody ever do that before? You've been so adaptive. It's your mother, your neighbor, you know, the salesperson at the grocery store, whatever. They don't even know that you're in a different space. And so then, then, then you're not. You're not, you know, it's not about being invisible and it's not about being aggressive or it's not about being better or superior. It's not about being, I'm the teacher, I'm the guru, I'm the, you know, it's not about any of those things. It's simply about cavitating and, and uh, inhabiting a space of your own design, a space that's closer to your heart, you know, a space that is a space in which you can create what you came here to create. And so that would be an experiment this week is, and for the rest of your life, if you want, is to like first thing in the morning, wake up and be, as soon as you put your feet on the floor, you just stand up and you warn the people around you that you're going to be killing a mosquito. No, that you're going to be cavitating new space. Whammo! You know, it's really loud. I cavitate new culture space in which archaearchy thrives. And you can, you can say anything that you want, what kind of space you want to create. And then zip it up the back and you can just take this big sigh of relief. You know, you've left your dreams and nightmares behind. You left everybody else's plans for you behind. You, you've left a lot behind. And you can unroll your life from that space. And that, that would include the experiment of being okay, being, being, what do you say, center grounded bubble, being 100% authentically present as you are, even if you're a woman, you know, even if you're a man, I mean, it's, it's really almost harder for a man to do this experiment than a woman because it seems okay to be a man in the patriarchy. And it's just really sick. It is so sick to be thinking that it's okay to be a man in the patriarchy. And so few men face that in reality because you're abandoning socially uh, granted powers and socially granted superiority and ownership of planet earth and power to destroy and power to decide. And it's like all this fake stuff that it looks like you would have to abandon if you actually step out of the prison called patriarchy. So it's, and, and we're going into extraordinary domains of relating. And if it's be like trying to swim from Los Angeles to Catalina Island, which is 50 kilometers in the Pacific Ocean, wearing a cannonball around your neck and thinking that you're just gonna be able to swim over there to Catalina Island just fine. And that what's insane about it is uh, that nobody actually mirrors back to you that you're insane, that it's, it's so absolutely insane. You think you're going to swim through the water with this cannonball around your neck or be present with another person if you're in the patriarchy. So it's just uh, not a, 
value in the patriarchy. And so, but, but if you don't see, this is such a liberating thing is to discover the power to cavitate new space. It is such a liberating thing because you do not have to go against anything. You do not have to change anybody. You don't have to prove that they're wrong. You don't have to train somebody how to be a human being outside of the patriarchy. You do not have to. You just can stand in that space, centered, grounded, and bubbled, and function in your in archiarchy, and the people around you can do, you know, do what they want. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like it's none of your business what they're doing, and it's none of their business what you're doing. Because you're you're you're, you're working, you cavitate in the space. People can ask you, you know, how come, how come you can speak like that? Or how come you can how come you have that opinion or how, where did you get, where did you get the clarity uh, to make a distinction for somebody who's higher up than you in the patriarchy, you know, in the hierarchy, where did you get that? And then, you know, and then you could start having an interesting conversation, but most people react or don't notice or so, and there will, you know, there will be plenty of people for you to, do trainings with, give talks to, give workshops to, take people through emotional healing processes with and provide your non-material value for them so that if, they, if they're tired of being an economic slave in the patriarchy and they want to try something else, well, you're a big doorway for that. And it'll become really obvious kind of how much fun you're having compared to how much fun they're having. I mean, God, it's uh, out here on the road in Positano or places where we've been lately, there is this inc incredibly powerful mimetic virus that's taking over supposedly intelligent human beings. It, and it's because they, they get into a situation and they get somebody else to use their telephone or their camera, their smartphone and start taking pictures of them and they make these just weird poses. They're full of unconscious sexual energy and cuteness and baby contaminated adult ego states. And it's and there's this uh, mm, pictogram. <laughs> God, I had it on the Instagram. Instagram. It's this Instagram space. Now, has anybody seen anybody do an Instagram space photograph? Has anybody ever seen anybody else in Instagram space? Okay, well, they, Andrea, you didn't see anybody in Instagram space? You did. Yeah, okay, right. Have, do, do you know anybody who's been in Instagram space, like personally, Andrea? Um, wait, you mean? Wait, 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 there's one rule in this space and that is you do not begin your sentences with the word um. Okay, that's because it's a zombie mantra word and we're just asking people, I didn't say it yet, but that we are asking people not to use the mantra zombie word here in this space. So we're offering you a do-over. So have you, do you know anybody who's, who's been in a, a big <laughs> Instagram space? Do you, do you, know, do you know anybody? Can you give me clarity on what you mean? Uh, I could, but then I'd have to I'd have to go into these poses that are so <laughs> fake it makes me want to vomit. 
I mean, and then we'd have a really bad time going through the list of I couldn't read the book. My computer's here. I'm afraid of getting my computer dirty. Mm, I see that you have a very powerful gremlin who's got you by the balls right now. So let's not have this conversation. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay. So the thing is, <clears throat> the Instagram space is visible from a kilometer away. And it has these characteristics of these kind of, it's like, <laughs> you know, has this incredible body movements, and they're so they're just fake. They only last about three seconds, or you know, time enough to snap a photo. And the next move after that is they grab their camera and start looking at their Instagram pictures, the ones, and you're picking out the good ones that they're going to put up on their account, so that the world maybe even a movie producer could see that. I don't even think it's about movies anymore. I think it's just about Instagram. Like in any case, so that's a space they're cavitating called Instagram space and they go and inhabit it. And the outcome is pictures on Instagram like that. So I just want to tell you how powerful the, the cavitating space is, especially when it's unconscious. Well, and especially when it's conscious also, but we're, we have the power to cavitate space and inhabit new space. And so often we just uh, cavitate and empower spaces that we already know about and that other people know about. And so, but we can use the same capacity to cavitate and inhabit new space. I just want to say, because what Clinton is saying about Instagram, it reminded me that I realized that this, also this, this kind um, of say it in French, this comparison, is that how comparison. comparison between women and this competition. And I think it also happens between men, but I'm speaking more from a experience of a woman is <laughs> one mechanics that happen is you might, you look at another woman and then you put your center in front of you and you turn your, your attention and you look at yourself. And then it's like, am I as beautiful? Am I as sexy? Am I as radiant or, or, or important? Or do I have a better life than her? Or something like that. But it's this mechanical movement of, it's, it's the same uh, movement as stage fright. It's the same thing that happens as stage fright where you're looking at yourself and freaking out about what am I gonna say? And I think it's exactly the same, put your center in front of you, you turn your attention, and then you're looking at yourself. And it's horrible. It's actually horrible to be looking at oneself because we're designed to have our center inside, I mean, as an adult, to have our center, our energetic center on our physical center and to look out. And actually, I, I think this is really how our being is designed is that we're designed, our being is designed to look out and be what is needed and wanted. What can I create? But the moment you put your center in front of you and looking at yourself, the, you are powerless. Like we are powerless. And so I was just as an, one of the experiment in terms of this competition, com comparison, um, whatever, a space or survival strategy is to notice this part of your center and to bring back your center, put your attention out and, and, and see what you're being, what you're being notices, what you're being wants to create. How does it want to relate? You know, what's, what is the nonlinear action 
that would create connection with this person. We could easily talk for five hours or five days about the domain that we just opened up for. What I wanna say is that the, the brief overview or brief introduction to cavitating space and questioning who you are being, I mean, are you being a, a patriarch as a woman or a man? Are you being a patriarchal woman and patriarchal man? And questioning that and being able to be clear about the sense of it and the results it creates, et cetera. <clears throat> the, the ways to do that, will it adds a lot of framework and understanding for the section number 6X that we're in on page 200 and 201 actually, the section is called going nonlinear. Because it, the without knowing that you have the capacity, without ex experimenting over and over again to cavitate and, and inhabit new culture space, how can you go nonlinear? So I'm going to start reading from the book and keep, we'll keep um, commenting back into those things we were just talking about so you can see how this all fits together. <clears throat> This first sentence is on page 201. It says, learning to be okay, even if you cannot predict what you are going to do next, plugs you in to a new form of electricity. <clears throat> so the, just the idea of being okay, even if you cannot predict what you're going to do next, this is part of archaearchy. This is archiarchal culture space. And so that would be an experiment. I don't think we entered that consideration for an experiment last time, but it has to do with, <coughs> the experiment is find out what happens to you when you, can, when you do things that even you cannot predict. So that means three times a day, doing a thing that even you cannot predict what it will be. It doesn't mean hurt yourself and it doesn't mean hurt anybody else. And it doesn't mean, you know, throw a dish on the floor and break it, even though it might, maybe it would mean throw a dish on the floor, whatever, if it's your dish and you want to feel like breaking it, go ahead and cleaning up the mess. But what I'm saying is it's mostly verbal. It's mostly using your voice, your feelings, your and the, and the energetic qualities of space and to, to do to start noticing what your what happens inside of you when you are able to do things that even you cannot predict so that would be three times a day to do that i mean i just want to add that would be the perfect moment that if you if you have an alarm for example and you set an alarm for nine o'clock and twelve o'clock and six o'clock at night or whatever in terms of a reminder any kind of reminder is you might be okay i'm doing an experiment now and i'm trying to predict what i'm not going to do next and the only thing you can think of is is predicting what you're going to do next <laughs> you know, this is really how our mind works and and so it, and, and, and you, because you're looking at yourself, you're looking at yourself doing this experiment. And that would be one of the moments to bring back your center to your physical center and look out and be with what is out, out there. 
instead of looking at yourself. So it would be cheating in this experiment to throw your phone in the telephone in the toilet. If you throw your phone in the toilet, then the alarm will go off, and then you won't remember to do the experiment anymore. So that would be we call that cheating. That would be a bad answer to the to that. And the the that capacity to move in a direction that's not controlled or predicted by your box or your habits, you know, or social traditions or the expectations of another person, even if it's an authority figure, even if it's your mother or your boss or your kids, you know, whatever, to be able to function in it, it does not mean just simply going crazy. The reason for this is because human beings, even you, have direct and immediate access to huge resources that modern culture knows nothing about. Therefore, you have not been trained how to make use of these resources. And so it's easy to name the resources. It's not so easy, but straightforward still to make them familiar to yourself. So there's processes that we do in, in the bigger trainings called labs where you actually stellate or maximize out one of your feelings like anger or sadness. And it's not a catharsis kind of process. It is a cathexis process. So, so many, so much of the emotional quote unquote, whatever experiences from Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh and the, and the primal scream stuff back in the 1960s and 70s and stuff was cathartic. And the idea is if you can express it and make it go away and make it all the way big and, and like, then it will go away and you'll feel better. That would be a cathartic process. Okay, but what we're talking about in possibility management has nothing to do with that. So this is a cathectic process, cathexis, which means to include, to, to make use of the energies and, and the intelligence of the force to, to produce results or to as a healing process or intelligently. It's the intelligence and energy of, of the resource. And so if the point is, once you do that, say for anger, you, you turn on inside of you an archetypal, an, an emotional archetype, which you can call the warrior or warrioress, or you can call the doer or the maker. And it's built into you since you were, born and it's been waiting to be turned on in your authentic adulthood initiatory processes, which you were ready for when you were 18 years old. Okay, so it's time, it's time now. You can do them later in your life, but you can't really do them before then. And the longer it gets, the more crystallized you get, the more heavy, heavy duty stiffness and blockages you get for stellating. So when you, when you stellate, for example, anger and you turn it on, stellate is a word that simply means to change from a planet to a star. So it, it simply it means we're, we're trained to be planets, which, which are you know, cold and they circle around the star. You know, we're obeying and following orders and we just are predictable and et cetera, et cetera. And we're, but we're designed to be stars. <clears throat> so stellating means to change from a planet to a star. When you do that, you suddenly become a resource that is archetypal in nature. 
And that's a resource that has, it cares about you in a way. I don't, I don't want to personalize it like that. It's archetypal, so it doesn't have really, it's not about being personal. But so there, there are forces like this, like the earth coincidence control office or your archetypal lineage and these kinds of things have, have this huge resource of energy and intelligence for our lives. And they will possibly open a door for you to do something that your box will freak out about or that you don't know how to do or that you never did before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not okay in your culture. And, and therefore you cannot do it. And so you, what's the point of jacking into a resource if when it gives you opportunities, you can't make them. So that's what this is about, learning to be okay, even if you cannot, cannot predict what you're going to do next, it plugs you into a new form of electricity and the electricity is the resource going through you. So I imagine some of you, a number of you maybe have experienced this electricity already when you are functioning in a way in a space, usually a, a consciously declared space in the service of other people to produce transformation or healing. And you feel the resource going through you. How many have experienced that new kind of electricity? Great, great. So if you, if you didn't experience it and you wanna know more about it, talk to any of those people, just call them up in the telegram group. Great. So I keep reading, finally we're making it past this sentence, geez. Suddenly you can start the quote unquote, same conversation differently. And each time feel it's uniquely radiant possibilities. And then what comes after that is a mystery. And so the comment is that, you know, what's bigger, science or mystery? And so it's like you want to limit your science to your, your life to the belief system of some religion or some political system, you know, philosophy, or you want the function direct access to the mystery. And so this this mystery is available as a resource. It could become your friend. The mystery can become your friend. Sometimes we call it the unknown. Sometimes we call it the void or nothingness. And so when that becomes your ally, when the nothingness becomes your ally, then, then that is a, a, mm, then you can, then it's more straightforward to, to face into real possibilities of, of intimacy or connection or creative collaboration or invention. Invention is such a cool thing um, that, that you've never dared to experience before. And so invention has a source, you know, it has, technology, it has practices and experiments to do that you'll see if you go into the, into the invention website there. But back in Shakespeare's day, I'm in the book again, back in Shakespeare's day, which you would see if you saw the documentary called Shakespeare in Love, it's a, uh, what's his name in there? And in, in, in her? And Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow, this is a documentary. 
So if you go back, you'll see that in Shakespeare's time, that uh, it was common pastime to converse only in rhyming pentameter. Most of it, does anybody know what rhyming pentameter is? Okay, bad news. Dorothea, can you do one? <laughs> I'm not Shakespeare and I'm more writing like uh, not lyrical books, so Our, I, there is no. <laughs> the field behind me is purple. It brings me to see life anew. I think of some creatures called thurple that ground up make an incredible glue. I mean, I don't actually know how it goes, but it's, they can speak to, uh, to each other like this. And okay, it takes a certain use of the mind that we're not accustomed to these days. Or you can, you can actually sing in rhyming pentameter or sing and dance in rhyming pentameter. So this is what they did when they did not have smartphones. They became the smartphone. The human being has a far greater capacity to be endlessly nonlinear than we are ever led to believe. It is up to you to explore that potential and to make use of it in your relating. Because you'll hear me say it again, intimacy and relating is an ongoing actions of nonlinear creation. Ongoing actions of nonlinear creation. Meaning you can't really predict what you will do next. And, it, and then your partner looks at you as a mystery and not like men, you know, men, are just, you know, what can you do with men? Not that kind of mystery. It's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about, wow, like what's going to happen next? You know, I kind of was, sitting on a train today, yesterday or today, and the woman across the aisle from me had her smartphone on in the Instagram probably. It was just going like this. That was it for two hours on the train. That's all she was doing. And I'm going, whoa, you've got a $9 billion computer in your mind and you're doing this. You know, it's like, it's really incredible what, what we do to like, entertain ourselves or keep us out of the present. So, so there's this thing called mystery and you can represent that if you can free yourself from having to be known, having to be predictable, having to be nameable, having to be mm, understandable in a logical kind of way that's not your kind of logic, you know, to conform to a system. You, you're all, and, and we're talking about aliveness. We're talking about aliveness, and if and this is kind of a, a, a discovery research team for aliveness, and and the aliveness is for you, and the aliveness is for the other people in your life, and the aliveness is for your kids, for the future, for your projects, for your neighborhood. It's for you know aliveness is is this huge resource for your whole life, and the opposite of that. Is, is a terrifying thing. The opposite of that is what we've given the name zombie to it. And the zombie would be a, a person who is functioning inside of a game world 
the values of which that they're completely unaware. So you support the values of any game world that you're playing in. I have a question. Go ahead. I was for, uh, teached that our brain is designed to use as less as possible of resources. So we are used to function in patterns. And it seems to me that's contradictory to what you are telling, like being nonlinear. Somebody has some background sound going. Um, I got so it. We got your question. You're asking if you should do what some people think the mind likes to do. Well, actually, I didn't ask the question till now. It was more, I'm wondering if what is said by neuroscience is not true. When, mm. when, when I am designed to go non-linear, it can't be true that my brain is designed to or I, I just bring this not together well, maybe a, i can help out wait just one second it just brings up the question whose mind is it who gets to have your life you or your mind it brings up that question and a neuroscientist might be convinced for some reason that their mind has their life. But there are reasons to not flush the toilet. And so like, does, it, does a neuroscientist flush the toilet? Well, well, probably. Why is that? Because their mind tells them to. But there are other things that would tell you not to. I mean, all I'm saying is, who, whose life is it, yours or your mind's? And the other thing is practice, a mage's practice, a mage practice, the, mage, the practice of a mage is always orthogonal to the space. It's essentially always orthogonal to the space. And orthogonal means is right angles to. Here's the space, here's the practice of a mage. So what we're talking about here is be a relating mage. You know, this is a mages can relate or a, a relating mage, you know, like that. And so we're learning to practice in ways that are novel or are, but they produce amazing results. And they're, they're, the, the neuroscientists aren't quite there yet, I don't think in terms of getting what's really happening when people are radically relating. So I would encourage you to consider the question, whose, whose life is it, yours or your mind's? Is somebody else, do you still need to say whatever you were gonna say before, whoever was speaking just then, before? Um, I was speaking and just uh, sharing that um, that is true 
that we have that patterns to make our life like easier so that someone reaches the hand we are not thinking like oh that's a hand what I'm doing with that so we have this cultural education of if someone gives us the hand that we immediately give the hand and shake the hand and the nonlinear part or the part that we just make a gap between the reaction and the uh, educated thing it's nothing more than consciousness so that means we have the patterns yes and they are available all the time but if we want to cut the patterns we need to be conscious so it goes together we have both we have the nonlinearity and the creativity and all this but we make we, we need to make the decision to use that thank you dr thank you both and the invitation about that relating is this our ongoing actions of nonlinear creating takes you kind of directly out of the domain of patterns that way. There's this whole domain of patterns and you're going into a different place in, in connection with someone else. And that, that brings aliveness to your interaction where, where love thrives, where intimacy thrives where newness, discovery, exploration, sharing thrives. So that, and we've been so trained against this that even the smartest people in the world still think that, you know, we're defined by our mind, you know, that our mind is what we are. And so, yeah, so I'm, these are experiments. So you might want to do this as an experiment is start finding where your mind thinks it runs your life. That'd be an ex excellent experiment is start noticing. We've got this great website called Noticing and another great website called Self-Observation. And these two are crucial elements to this path of relating, of discovering or empower, unfolding your capacities to relate. And so uh, please check those out really and discover, particularly using self-observation is, is when does your mind telling you that, you know, your, it just like, for example, <clears throat> if you make a decision for a reason, if you make a decision for a reason, because you think it's a good reason or my father would like this reason, or I've used this reason before, or it, people would think I'm intelligent if I can explain this reason, or et cetera, et cetera. If you make a decision for a really good reason, you get approval or acceptance or people admire you, or in any case, if you're using reasons to make your decisions, it could easily be that your mind thinks it owns your life because the mind is really fancy with coming up with reasons. And so human beings don't actually fit in this tiny little world of reasons. And so it, it doesn't matter what kind of reasons I use today to eat, purchase and eat most of my coffee and what are those cherry things called? What that stuff is called? <laughs> dark cherry gelato here uh, in Italy, amarena. amarena cherry so 
Okay. And then it wasn't a reason that halfway through my ice cream and Chloe just looks at me and says, can I eat the rest of it? And there wasn't a reason when I said, yes, there was no reason. And so then she ate the rest of my ice cream and really enjoyed it. I could hear her crunching as we walked up the road and she ate the whole, this cone. So there were not reasons involved in our ice cream intimacy today. By the way, it was raining at the same time, lightly while we were walking uphill, trying to breathe in the rain and eating ice cream. And she's eating my ice cream, the one that I picked out with those. And there was no reasons involved in the whole thing. And it's to, to discover the second part of that experiment is to find out who are you free of reasons? Who are you beyond the grip of reasons? Because if you, you, know, you have a box, your partner has a box, you have a box and your potential partner has a box, your ex-partner has a box, <laughs> your potential ex-partner has a box. So there's this <laughs> potential future ex-partner. So, so this box thing works with reasons. And so if, if here's your box, you know, doing its thing, it's like this, like a washing machine. And here's this other box doing their washing machine thing. And they all have their reasons and they're doing this. And this reason doesn't fit this reason. Like, and there's this, there's this kind of friction going on. And this, and this is the high, high speed dry cycle. You know, this whole stuff is going on. And then you slip out. Like it's kind of, I don't know how to do this with only two hands. You, you do, you be the being. Can you do that? Okay. Okay, the being slips out of the box and the box is freaking out doing the reason thing, but actually you're over here going, hey, you wanna meet me outside of the reason box? And the other one, can you do the other one too? Oh, this, yeah. this, this is called box demonstration intimacy on the video. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know if we did this before. Okay, so here's this like this, and then what do they say? They say, hey, hey. What, what about, what about, what about going outside? What about letting ourselves be washed in the rain? God, I miss the rain. I'm, I accept your offer. So this to find out what you are, who are you outside beyond the domain of reasons? Leave reasons behind in the dust. Really, let them rust in the dust. God, I'm going to have to learn iambic pentameter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and really, do this for what you have mm. for breakfast. What you, mm. you know, what you eating for breakfast? What you wearing? Where do you park your car? You know, when you go go to work, or which street do you do you walk on? Or how do you walk? Or what speed are you walking or talking? Or how do you put your hair up? Or uh, what language do you speak? I mean, it's incredible to be traveling and not speaking the language. Because yesterday we were speaking Japanese to Chinese raised Italian woman in a sushi <laughs> restaurant and it just made no sense at all. <laughs> and so, so I'm, I'm going to read further in the book, and it's giving coaching about, about the pre previous experiment, which was about discovering actions that you do not, that you cannot predict. 
like seeing, seeing action, causing actions or doing actions that you can't predict that don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else. Like don't, doesn't break stuff, whatever. And don't get arrested. Okay. Right. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else. Don't get arrested. Don't start with, um, and don't start with, um, and it says your actions should not be intended to frighten or sh shock or offend people. It's not what their purpose is. Your actions do not have to be drastic. They don't have to be gigantic moves. It can be very subtle. And that's, those are the important ones to start getting a handle on. These subtle actions. One of the reasons for getting access to subtle actions is because that's where your knacks are. Knack is a word that means subtle actions or medical creation. Yeah. Well, we just started working on the knack website, but you all have knack, knack is knack. Mm -hmm. You all have knacks, but knacks are not enhanced in school or in ordinary culture. So in your knacks are match your archetypal lineage. So if you don't develop your knacks, it's no wonder that you can't do magic to serve your archetypal lineage. So, and, it, and they come to you as these unconscious uh, urges, unconscious sensations. So the subtle, subtle unconscious impulses are your, so this is about getting, getting used to being able to create in that domain. So mm, even subtle creations can open new worlds of relating. Maybe you never thought of possibilities such as this. You come home dragging a new fruit tree in through the front door. And you explain that since you do not live out on a farm, you're going to bring the farm home. Or you stand outside the door beating your chest and doing the Tarzan jungle call. <laughs> like this. Until the woman, your woman, the woman of your dreams comes to get you. Then you take off your shirt in the snow outside and come in freezing cold, needing desperately to be warmed up. You bring three friends for dinner unannounced and you come in saying nothing and you speak only in a whisper. You lay on the floor and cry for being so glad to finally come home again to your home, that you get what home is, how big that is. How many people could cry right now if you, if you just really get what home is? Well, that's not enough. Oh, okay, we're doing better. Yeah, home is this amazing thing. You just lay on the floor. When was the last time you did that? Just lay it on the floor and started sobbing because it's so great just to be at the home. And then, and then you enter through the side door instead of the front door and you go straight to the kids and you listen to them about their day and you, or you climb up the gutter from your house or building, whatever, the apartment building, and you come in over the bedroom balcony, just like Romeo, you come in that way. And you, or you say nothing until after you flawlessly recite from memory. So you come in, you walk in the door and you flawlessly recite from memory, Edgar Allan's Poe, The Raven in its entirety. Once upon a midnight dreary, 
where I pondered, weak and weary, over a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. Anyway, it goes like that. You bring home Chinese takeout food consisting of the chef's favorite delicacies. I don't know, one time I was in Hong Kong and I was just tired and I was up in the hill beyond the English section. I walked into this little cafe and they handed me this this menu is only in Chinese. And I looked at the guy and I said, I want this. And he, I was so hungry and I was so tired. I wore out a whole pair of shoes in Hong Kong, walking around trying to sell weird stuff. And, and he brings me this bowl of gray slime that had a piece of some animal sticking out that I couldn't even identify. And I couldn't even pick up the spoon and put it in my mouth. I really, I, I, vow, I think of me, myself as a culinary adventurer, but here I was alone trying to dignify this guy brought me what I pointed to and, and it turned out to be this gray of bowl, slime with, bowl of slime with this, some organic part of some animal sticking out. And I just, I just said, I, I couldn't even, he didn't understand what I said. I don't speak Chinese. I just stood up and I paid for it and I walked out. It was one of the most embarrassing times in my life but at least I still remember it. So you enter singing a Broadway show tune, like hail night of the woeful countenance, night of the woeful countenance. Wherever you go, people will know of the glorious deeds of the night of the woeful countenance. That kind of thing. Do, how, how many of you guys know where that came from? Does anybody know? Oh yeah, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole, where, okay, Nicole, where does it come from? Don Quixote. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you just walk in singing that and you, you refuse to be interrupted until the grand finale of your song. You know, or you cut out paper dolls and you wear them around your shoulders like a lace shawl. You just wear cut out dolls. You speak in the accent of Count Dracula. And you are only attracted to your woman's neck. Okay? I just want to look at your neck. Just to see a little closer. You know, okay? Or you come in with your eyes closed, saying that you're doing a science experiment. And could your partner please lead you through the rest of your evening together? Because you can't open your eyes for the rest of the evening. The whole thing, brushing teeth, everything. Yeah, including watching TV. You know, they have to say what's going on or whatever. You have an unlit cigar in your mouth, big cigar, you know, it costs you 20 bucks. And, and it's not lit though. And you keep it in your mouth and you keep it in there all through dinner while you're eating. So you have to kind of eat with the cigar in your mouth. And, or, or you walk in backwards telling a joke to an invisible friend, somebody who's not really there. Or you only look straight into the eyes of your partner with an intense, unwavering gaze not being attracted at all to look anywhere else, okay? For the whole hour, first hour when you come home, don't look anywhere else, even for a second. You take her hand or his hand and you proceed to give him a detailed hour long palm reading about their exotic past and their wild possible futures. You hand your partner the cell phone an old best friend whom you have called on, on their behalf is on the line 
So one of your old best friends is on the line and someone, ah, okay, sorry. One this one, it's yeah. one of their best friends. So you call up one of your partner's best friends that they haven't spoken to in a while. You've heard tales about them. You call them up, you get them on the phone, you walk in and hand them the phone. And, look, and <laughs> George called and, he, and it, George, yes. You know, like this. And so I could keep going. All right. You could keep going. So this list is the tiniest little view of the domain of nonlinear possibility. It's a tiny little view. There's so, it's so rich beyond this ordinary, beyond the predictable, this space is so big out here. And, and it's necessary for you, and you, you're designed for this to get access to that. And it'll destroy your world. But the world that it destroys is dead. It's linear, it's predictable, it's ordinary, but it will destroy that world. Not completely, because you can always pretend to go back to normal for short terms in certain circumstances. You can pretend to be a normal person. But that's not what you're actually, you don't represent that. What you represent is vast unlimited possibilities. And, go ahead. I mean, uh, I think in the beginning, it's, <coughs> it's as, a, as a practice or as a shift of being, it might seem a little rusty or rocky or it's like not very elegant and you might not really know how to do this or invite your partner into it and they might be like who what is going on and but and are you drunk yeah you know you've been smoking what's going on or are you are you is it a joke like is it um how do you say like a, a hidden camera or really people can get kind of freaked out but i think after a couple of weeks really a few weeks, it just kind of moves your whole relating in, in that direction and probably invites also your partner to f play, play, play with you. you know, I was going to say high level fun and playful out and just it opens up higher participation of the other parts of your mind, for example, that aren't ordinarily used in other parts of your system that are not ordinarily used. So compare these examples, which we just gave, to walking in with flowers or chocolates. You know, you walk in with flowers or chocolate, that's supposed to be the most amazing thing you see it in the movies or, you, you know, that you've ever heard of. And at the same time, realize that avoiding linearity is not a rule because flowers or chocolates now and then add spice to non-linearity, okay? So any, anybody have anything coming up about all this? Any, so anybody know, did you ever, did you notice in yourself enough fear to write it down in the back of your beat book for a emotional healing process? We're with an amazing group of people. I mean, we can start reading the next paragraph, which is even worse. Okay. I just want to say that it's not a, it's just a proposal that about half of the people here on the call have their video turned off and you do whatever you want. And having your video turned on actually puts you more at risk, especially in an online call where it's pretty easy to just 
fade out or especially when we're talking about really scary stuff to have fear just kind of black us out. And so just being, having your camera turned on will make you also more, it's like, I don't say that like accountable, but it's a really bad word. Accountable is such a bad word in, in modern culture, but uh, could make you more accountable to this team about being on this journey boat, scary, rocky journey boat together as an invitation. And, in, and we really do need each other for this. Mm -hmm. Really, we need the support and the connection. So I hope you guys are connecting into the Telegram groups then and sharing some of your experiments and uh, in offering and inviting, you know, emotional healing processes. Participate in providing them for others and ask for them yourselves and really share what you're creating. And on the different groups is a creation group. It's fantastic to let people know what you're offering and what you're creating because this team is a, has a really huge circle of edge workers and other explorers out there who are interested in this stuff. I mean, so I, we didn't really have this conversation before, which is weird, but it's like how many people here are on the call not just because, but as you are looking for a partner, can you put your hand up if you Okay, we're just, so there's about three people who put their hand up. I counted three people. If you're on this call, and you're not looking for a partner, what the hell are you doing here? I mean, this is basically one of the best dating platform that you can ever find. Forget about Tinder and Match.com and like- <laughs> Can you explain that? <laughs> Look, because, because the question is, what kind of relating do you want? It's like, what is the, what is the context? Because what is the context, the quality of the relating that you're looking for? So, you know, it really goes, it's like this whole nuance or range of relating from, uh, you know, zero relating, uh, isolation, withdrawal, uh, you know, being in, looking at your computer screens, like whatever, zero, zero intimacy or zero, like, low-level quality intimacy through to a gremlin fight fuck um child and meshed ego state needy victimy relating so that's you know that's one quality or context of relating towards more of an adult fair uh, interacting uh, clear so that's another form of the quality of a context of relating up to starting to you know, a context of relating through healing, that, that part of your context of relating is to actually be in a process of healing. And, but, but so that's about adult. That's about just above adults. But it could also move into a uh, transformational context of relating. It could, and then it can move, and that moves quickly into, you know, radical, radical level of relating, which is, having bi-body intimacy journey, igniting each other's archetypal lineage to build a culture or a village or a game world, however you want to call it. 
So that's kind of the nuance, a, a rough show of a nuance of the qualities of relating that you could be looking for. And my guess is that if you are in this call, which is based in radical responsibility in the context of possibility management is that there's some kind of attraction to a context of relating that is close to transformational relating or even radical relating or five body archetypal, you know, five body intimacy journey into archetypal domains. You know, it, who, where, where's the, this being that's gonna ignite my archetypal lineage? I think more in that, in that domain of relating it's like, okay, well, who else is looking for that? Like, there's not many people. You know, there's not many people who are looking for that kind of relating. And if you go on Tinder, you'll basically have the child gremlin enmeshed, needy, um, really looking for a primary food for gremlin food. That's basically what people will be looking for. And so, I mean, do you get what I'm going with this? About this being a dating platform or a relating platform? <laughs> a like re-dating platform. A re-dating platform. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I just want to report something. It's just so painful to be in this world of, of dating. And it's like I have so much anger about you know, keep meeting like uninitiated women or, or looking for partners in, in applications. And, and it just, it doesn't work. It just, it's so sad, like to meet someone that is, you know, you cannot relate to them. You cannot complete loop their sentences. It's, they, they freak out when you complete loop. It's like Wait. the most, yeah. Dork, say the last three sentences again using I, okay? Yeah. Try to use I instead of you. Just say it again with I and feel it. Yeah, I feel sad. It's, I mean, I feel a lot of emotions, sadness and anger and fear about being in this world where the relating is so superficial. And, and even something basic like a completion loop of communication is freaking out and it's, it's not okay. And it's triggering so much trauma in, in, in the person that I'm relating to that it's insane to keep doing that. And, and at the same time, I mean, thank God for, for this group. And, and also like, I mean, I'm, I feel anger that this this is not a possibility normally yeah i feel a bit overwhelmed now thank you thank you thanks for saying that and door the really the the point or the the purpose of having this conversation about the context of relating is that even if if you and your partner decide, okay, I wanna have a context of transformational relating, it doesn't mean that there will be no reaction. Or it doesn't mean that their gremlin will not try to show up or whatever. This, 
And the, the context only creates the possibility of having a conversation about the conversation. To so have a conversation about, um, create the possibility of, okay, we are in a relating, we are in a transforma transformational relating space. Therefore, emotional healing processes are possible. Um, experiments are possible. Uh, the distinctions, whatever, most of the distinction from possibility management are applicable. But th that's, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't make relating easier. Mm. It makes relating more flavorful. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, one of the things that you, that we can remember is those times when we have compromised. Those times when stuff has happened or you've gone along and it was a compromise and it cost, it cost you something. You probably well, can still feel. It cost you a part of your soul. It's like a part yeah, of your heart. This is not a church. Yeah, but it's see, it's not, church okay, being, it cost you a part of your being. <laughs> My experience. It leaves okay. scars. It can leave scars. That's why you remember those times. It's because you have scars about those times when you compromised. And, and if you're not willing to compromise in such a big way, it's not your box compromising. It's not about your box wants this and only wants this, you know, that's just your box. But, you know, what's good for you? What nurtures you? What's in, what's, what feeds you? What inspires you? What you know, brings you forward like that. When you compromise, you, you, it, it's beneath your dignity. There's like a kind of level of dignity that you can have for yourself where the answer is no, or the answer is I'm not available for this, or the answer is this is beneath my dignity, or the answer is I'm, I'm not playing. There's, there's so many answers that are the same that you just decide not to compromise. And it's not making you into a neurotic uh, princess living in some ivory tower. You know, it's not, it's not what it means or some, some God who's, you know, in some castle somewhere, whatever. It doesn't mean that you're not being human if you decide not to compromise. You know, and there's so many really obvious indicators that a compromise is approaching. In, and you can, there's all kinds of things like whatever, is there gambling involved? Is there alcohol involved? Is there drugs involved? Is there like, uh, driving fast involved. I mean, there's just a bunch of indicators that are just the big red flashing lights. And then there's millions of more that your intuition could be telling you if you were allowing yourself to have your intuition. Like if those subtle, what are those called? Subtle what? Cues. Cues, cues. Little, little messages, subtle messages coming. If you didn't just block them with this, no, I have to, or, you know, 
I don't want to be alone or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is another experiment that would be really useful <clears throat> is how long, there's two experiments here. One experiment is how long can you do nothing? If you watch most people, it's around 2.4 seconds. And then they're going to do, they're going to grab their phone. It's amazing to sit around people who don't know that you're watching them and see how long they can not look at their phone. In, or, or say something, whatever, or move. Like, so the question is how long can you do nothing? And what are you afraid of? Like what fear are you avoiding by doing something? And really write those down in your book and go check them out. I'm not saying they're bad or wrong or stupid, the fears. I'm just saying it's very informative, very useful to know that if fear is not your friend, if fear is, is, is like this monster you're trying to avoid, then you have these, tr- these tricks, these techniques worked out to avoid fear by doing something or saying something or eating something or um, going, you know, going somewhere. Like uh, today I was watching people ride bikes together. Well, when you're riding a bike with somebody, it's really difficult to talk with them or walking uphill together really fast. It's also difficult to talk with people or uh, something else we saw also. You know, run 10 kilometers or something every day. People do all this stuff. Okay, okay, all right. What's the what's the fear about? How long can you do nothing? You know, and what what is it? What's the fear about that causes you to do something even when there's nothing to do? (laughs) And then I'm just thinking uh, this experiment of doing nothing is not meditating because that's doing something course but but you could sit there and do nothing and watch yourself in the mirror every now and then every now and then when you're doing the do nothing experiment look in the mirror at yourself see and see what fears come up there also and all this fear is so informative this is research based and it is and so like for example if you're with somebody and the script has a gap in it. Here's this, here's this script. You know, you, you say this, they say this, ha ha, they do this, you do, you do this and ha ha, and whatever this is. And then all of a sudden there's this gap in the script. What are you feeling right then? And what's your strategy? Like there's some people who rehearse what they're going to say next in their mind so that when a gap comes, they can say that thing. Anybody ever notice themselves doing that? You have a, a yeah. So, okay, what's, so the, the experiment there is to let there be nothing. It's almost like there's these forces at work that wanna take you on this amazing journey, like the Earth Coincidence Control Office, for example, it wants to take you on this amazing discovery journey and you're blocking it by always staying in control of the, the throughput, you know, what's coming through you, you're always holding it in a grip. <clears throat> and when you're doing that, then there's no free space. You have no free attention. So even when you have an, a, a phrase or a sentence or a topic saved up in your mind to what to say next when there's a gap, and this is, this is preventing 
this free space and free attention from happening where you can go sideways, you can be moved sideways by these forces that are at their resources for you. And so just sit there, experiment is, wait, notice when these, this gap happens and just keep kind of breathing, that's it. Look at the person, don't let, and, and see what's happening, the expectations, you have assumptions, oh my God, they're thinking of a story about me, they think I don't have anything to say, they think I'm an, an incompetent conversationalist. Anybody have that one? The other person might think you're an incompetent conversationalist. Okay, so all this stuff is really useful to know about what's actually motivating you in, in subtle situations where there's gaps or there's possibilities like that. So that's the experiment, mm -hmm. a couple of experiments. One is do nothing and one is notice what happens when the gaps come. What were you gonna say? I want to share something about the um, dating platform. As I took a stand for next culture performance since a couple of months, I developed a concept that brings um, possibility management together with um, contemporary dance. And one of my current projects I'm trying to bring to really rural area in Germany where I grew up and where they have no idea about dance is the strategy to go through relating because there is a lot of loneliness and stuff. And it combines actually like dangerous questions like we have it in the intimacy cafe or feeling check in these kind of things to really bring people to another point of view inside so that they not with that roles and, and, and not with this um, um, how is it called um, just play someone that they really go more to feeling and being to being and the cool thing is that I had I'm, I'm right now in New York at Leslie's place and I had an invitation from a dancer to perform on a party and Dorothea, I how can you how can you be so mean as to replace New York City with these fake flowers? <laughs> let us see New York. We want to be in New York City with you. Now you've got this fake flowers going on, and it's really come on, be pay more respect to New York City. I can, <laughs> you can smell the yeah. Thank you. Okay, all right, keep going. Yeah, thank you. There you are, folks. It is not like it is in Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. So um, I had this little experiment with a dancer. We just get to know each other um, for for a short conversation and went into that experiment to do that uh, on the party, like a 20 minute experiment. And we had this introduction of <coughs> give us words for our performance and all this kind of stuff. And that was just amazing how the atmosphere was uh, shifting after this and what the words are and what the um, feedback wa uh, uh, was after this. So like words like intimacy came, like depths, happiness, uh, excitement. I mean, a lot of things where I thought, wow, that really changed completely something. And um, the conversations with each other and a lot of things were going on, so the relate, the relating was just pretty working with that um, conversations combined with 
dance, which is also like a very emotional um, medium. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your project. Thank you. Keep going, New York City, <laughs> the place to do that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to say something about this compromising of this question about when, you know, when it might, at a point of, if you decide to not compromise is, am I, whatever, am I giving up on the relationship too easily saying, if you don't do this, you know, I don't want to be with you. And, and, you know, what's the, then you have the choice of either being, comp either compromising or being alone. I mean, that leaves you in that choice. Like either I, I sacrifice a little bit of my integrity or I, if, if the other person doesn't do what I, I want them to do or behave in a certain way, then, then I, I don't want to be with them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, about this, this choice? Yeah, the neurotic thing. Okay. Yeah. And so I wanted to say that this, the, I, the proposal from Clinton, this experiment of being, having integrity with your own context does not ever mean that you have to go away. It's you're here and you have your context and your integrity and you're making a very clear offer about what it's like to relate to you. What, how does it go? You know, what, what, you're, what you're holding space for as a space of relating and basically the other person can sort of accept your offer or refuse your offer, but it's for them to decide. But as an experiment, I would really encourage you to not um, use this, uh, I guess, neurotic, the boundary. You know, if, if you don't accept whatever, if you don't accept my offer, then I can't be with you. It's like an ultimatum. Yeah, the ultimatum part. And instead, stay centered, grounded, and bubble, have integrity with your, your- Your own cavitated bubble of space. Yeah, own cavitated bubble of space with your own context of relating in and have the door open, keep the doors open. And, make, and you can keep making offers. And if they make offers that you don't want, you say, I, I, I decline your offer. Or you can say yes and. Or yes and. Yeah. Speaking of which, since we're in this okay. theme, I'll just read the next paragraph because and then it'll end the section. But it's it's just about what we've been talking about. So we're flowing right along here. We, the book says reconnecting to your imagination will take intentional efforts. It does not happen all by itself, just by thinking about it. Participating in improvisational theater workshops could get you started. Not improvisational dance, or improv but improvisational theater where you feel and express emotions, not by acting, but rather by re-experiencing them and sharing the experience out loud. <coughs> Excuse me. Look for a workshop leader who uses, if you can, warm-up exercises from Keith Johnstone and his book, Impro, <coughs> Excuse me. which I really recommend. I don't know if, if you, anybody's read that, but it's on the book list. Yeah. It's a super, super book. Exercises which require you to go on 
quote unquote stage with a partner and use your face, your voice and your posture to start something out of nothing for no reason. Start something out of nothing for no reason. Go ahead. Yeah, and I would add in not only for the purpose of making people laugh, which yeah. is sort of the purpose of Keith Johnston has a lot of um, status practices. So people, it's like people get to laugh in, in, as part of the audience, but that would not be your purpose. So not only. yeah, exercises that require you to tell nonlinear imagination stories that you never heard before one after the other in rapid succession, being interrupted at short random intervals and required to change stories mid-sentence. It's a fabulous practice. These are steps along the path of rediscovering and reconnecting with, rediscovering the whereabouts of your nonlinear imagination. Once you find your imagination and see that it still functions after all these years, you can plug your heart back into its richly abundant resources. And that's the end of that section. And the, the idea being relating can seem like such a burden these days where there's so much politically correct, you know, gender neutral speak, you know, that, that are you doing it right? Is somebody going to be offended? Is somebody going to correct you? Are you stepping on somebody's toes? You know, are their, their emotional reactivity is wired to your, the way you're, you're speaking or like this. So it's, the, the relating itself can seem like so much work to get it right, to not make mistakes, to don't hurt somebody, hurt somebody's feelings. You know, this idea called hurt somebody's feelings simply means that somebody is going to feel something. So if you wanna have a relationship or relating where nobody feels anything, well then, what is that really? You know, people, they, I've been crying today, I've been angry today, I've, I've been scared today, you know, and I've been talking about it the whole time, so. He's also been glad, just I was, I forgot was, to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice for you to remember when I've been glad. I didn't know you remembered that. Okay. Yeah. So, so this thing about having relating being such a burden, it's you no know, wonder that you're gonna stand back from it, you know, try, try to have something perfect or something incontrovertibly mature, or I don't know, like your parents or the opposite of your parents or like a, the movie or the, whatever. The it's such a it can be seen like such a a weight and the point the point being here is yeah if, if you're trying to move a mountain and your only tool is a spoon it's you're gonna your, your spoon will be worn out in less than a cubic meter I mean, so the point is also 
that there's resources, huge resources available to us, to you, to each one of us. And those resources are straightforward to access and we're designed for it. And modern culture knows nothing about them. And you've discovered this place where they're like oranges, apples, and pears. I mean, they're, they're just hugely available. Like these things are not exotic, except, you know, except in modern culture. So you're in a different culture space here where the ABCs start with nonlinear possibility creating and jacking into resources such as your nonlinear imagination. Okay, okay, how does that go? I mean, how, how do you do it? Okay, well, this, it's all straightforward. And so, but it will not happen until you experiment with it. And the experimenting, I, I sometimes wish we could just do a mind dump, you know, just do this. And so the whole picture would be possible. So we, instead, we, you know, we're snailing along, you know, A, B, C, D, like we have, we're using words and going through a book and we're trying to <clears throat> make the pace uh, equivalent to how often can we experiment and uh, make it all kind of build on itself. <clears throat> and I wish it could be all at once. I wish there we could just, it would be like, really, what I'd like is if this was like Disney World, where you walk in the door and it, there's roads going off everywhere. Because every, every single one of us has different needs at different moments. And some people get this distinction and some people don't need that for another two years. Or some people already have it. And some people are creating it already. And some people hate that, you know, they have reactions to it. They have to go through emotional healing process because they don't have enough matrix to even hear the words that we're talking about. And so there's this, like a multi-dimensional play park for learning, exploring and empowering and unfolding human relating in ways that are fruitful and helpful and joyous and ec 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 ecstatic. So we're approximating that here as best we can together. So please use each other as resources for that because every single person has different experiences and, and just call them up and say, hey, talk to me. What do you know about this? I'm stuck. Hey, I need an opportunity. Hey, you don't have to have a problem to talk to somebody. That would be an experiment. Call somebody up and have no problem. Experiment is somebody in this group, you call them up. Really, everybody needs to do this experiment this week. Make a call, a telegram call, any kind of call where you can see their face and, and have no problem. Like have, have no difficulty. Do not set yourself up as a, in a rescue mode either rescuing them or wanting to be rescued. It's not, so just make the call for, for no reason and make it one of the most important call you do all, all week or all day at least. Like make it in that important with no reason attached. <clears throat> How many people will do that experiment before we talk again next month? Yay, yes, Corey. I'd like to ask, um, can you can you tell me what the purpose is of doing this? I'd actually like you to tell me.
Well, I call people up often with no with the purpose of connecting. Ah, and, purpose. purpose. And no other purpose, no other reason. So okay, we're saying so, no purpose. The purpose of connecting, and you have to judge yourself. Did I connect? What percentage did I connect? 23% or was it only 16%? You know, what percentage did I connect? And it's really a judgment and a criticism and stuff. And like that needs to be abandoned to have space enough. Wait, Ava's got her hand up. Oh my God. Well, wait, Phyllis, what do you think? Well, I don't know what no purpose looks like. Yay! <laughs> Yay, this could be a breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what's there to say if there's no purpose? <laughs> excellent, excellent. There are forces at work beyond imagination, beyond the mind. Go ahead. What? No, I just want to say this thing about I'm I'm relating to people so I can be connected is comes from this idea that you are not already connected, and so then you're missing connection or you're lacking something, and then it's like you or or they're lacking something. It's a victim. It's a victim position. Yeah, that's the. I, I should be connected. I have to prove to somebody I connected. I talked to four people this week. Eva, Albert. I've I've done this experiment today, where I, um, actually the thing was to 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 go through the week and listen to my emotional body and fulfill the needs I feel coming up from my emotional body and and. I, I started on Thursday just noticing what my emotional body needs and shifted today into, okay, so I'm, I'm going to take a stand. And I was sitting there and, and trying to get the information from my emotional body. And then it was, well, call her and call him and, and just, just ask for time together. And, and that was, was coming from my emotional body. And, and I don't know. For, yeah. For me, it was also this, this, connection thing was one of the purposes but but it felt it's just because it feeds the heart that's a reason yes and that that is so new for me because you know i noticed then i have so much this thing of um either calling if i have a problem or or i want to call but oh no then i have so much to do and i'm i'm just in this function mode so much so many times so so that was the shift for me. If I really just tune in to what my emotional body wants, then it's, yeah, just go. Go call your friends for no reason. Just be with them. Now, being with them is a reason. Yeah. You get how, how devious this reason thing is. <clears throat> really, no reason. Like Phyllis, she said, what's the purpose? It's so rational to know the purpose. I mean, it's, nobody would question you. And, you know, you want to know the purpose, of course. Well, here's the purpose, you know. It's like, okay, we're saying no purpose, no reason, really no reason. Not even a really good reason. Not even an acceptable reason. Really. <clears throat> when is okay, your book, well, No Reason coming out, Clinton? Say what? You said you were writing this book called No Reason. I wrote it. It's ready to be bought by Anne-Chloe Destimo and a publishing company called Thoughtware Press. I, I looked for it today and I couldn't find it. So where is it? <laughs> it's coming out soon. <laughs> Go. Yes, it's coming out soon. That's as best as I can. But Please be- model. Please model this phone call. 
Yeah, because now it's almost not possible to have no reason. Uh, hello? I didn't, Why are you calling no, me? No, I didn't call you. You called me. Uh, this is so wonderful because I, I can see your uh, Mexican shirt. I know that you use Ours. the word because, and the it's not allowed in my vocabulary to use the word because, because it's connected to reasons. Mm. So I'm, I'm making an offer. I'm listening. The offer is to share something with me that you wouldn't have shared before unless I called you right this moment. Okay, I wanted to tell you this. What? That I see your Mexican shirt. Look, that's old now. Mean, you already doing, talked, no, I mean, no, I, no. That was too big of a now. Give me something. Okay. That you really, can you say it again? I had all these people I could talk to. Yes. Anybody. Yes. And I, I called you up. Yes. And, and I, I'm longing for this impossible impossibleness of human relationship. It's impossible. And yet, yet we're connected all the time. And so could you just talk to me about that? Well, what I figured out is that before you called me, I, two seconds before you called me, I was thinking about you. How can and that so far, be? What does and, that mean? And so I've been thinking about how psychic we are really everybody's really psychic and that we can actually figure out what's going to happen two seconds before things happen like i'm, I'm betting that this study group is going to end really about <laughs> two seconds <laughs> i kind of thought about that <laughs> <laughs> see nice talking to you okay, okay bye. <laughs> And it doesn't have to be so fun. It can also be profound. Profound is fun. Though. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing the experiments. Have a great time this week. Play hard. You know, and do those emotional healing processes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they're about. Just do them. It don't have to make sense. You know, just call people up and say, can you help me do this? And Go for it. All right, y'all. Bye. Thank you. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.